All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 40 of the DFO Rundown on dailyfaceoff.com. I'm Jason Greger along with Frank Saravalli. We're coming to you live from the woodjerseys.com studio. Got my Boston Bruins wood jersey hanging up. Uh, Frank always likes to have it uh, much closer so you see the intricate work that goes into it. It's pretty sweet. So check it out, woodjerseys.com. And uh, they are a licensed NHL apparel and uh, product. You can get uh, your favorite team and they keep having, adding more teams. They should have all 32 teams now with the addition of Seattle before the start of next season. And uh, we'll get to lots of NHL stuff, but uh, big free agent signing uh, for daily faceoff and uh, took all my power not to say anything for the last week. But huh. uh, Frank, congratulations uh, coming in to be our, our lead writer uh, running everything at daily faceoff. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I'm extremely excited to join dailyfaceoff.com. I think we've got some huge plans in the works. And you know what's funny, Jay? I, I As I was sharing my news this week to some people around the league, including some GMs, they were like, hey, wait a second. Like, as I was on the phone with them, they typed in dailyfaceoff.com. They're like, hey, I go there. I use this. I, I cheat and I have the line combos. Like, if I don't have them on my board, that's how I rearrange the board in my office. And it was funny though, cause they didn't know what else happens on the site. And the amazing part about what we're going to come in and do is everything that daily Faceoff is known for those line combos, the starting goalie information, daily fantasy tool and, and gambling info. We're going to keep that 
And then also now add in this content side that's going to be unique, interesting, and we're going to bring in some other names that you know from around the hockey world to produce some world-class hockey content, writing, podcasting, reporting, breaking news, uh, streaming shows on emerging platforms. We've got lots of different things in the works and uh, I'm excited for a soft launch, excited to be at the Stanley Cup final next week and then bring in and roll out everything uh, next season in September and October. Oh yeah. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, happy to be a part of it. And I think it's a, it's a big addition for us and uh, to move forward and grow it. And, and I think hockey fans are going to like it. So yeah, you have a one-stop shop, uh, not only for the fantasy and gamers and just knowing the lineups, but uh, have a lot of insider stuff, which obviously uh, you're one of the best out there. So that'll be, uh, that'll be exciting. And I think uh, I'm very excited to see where the site's growing and, and, uh, and more new sites that we have coming, not to give away too much, but uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be a fun next year, I think for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. Look, um, they've made a big investment in me, uh, the Nation Network and DailyFaceOff.com, and and also they're making a big investment in uh, in the reader and the viewer as well. Because we're like I said, we're going to be bringing some awesome people along with us. Now I don't have a video of it, which is unfortunate, but I really think that uh, when when we when we announced to Frank that we were signing him, I think Frank's enjoyment was almost matched by Mark Bergevin's last <laughs> night after the uh, the Canadians win. Like, I, I'll say this, that, like, watching Bergevin, it was, it's so rare to see a GM, like, that excited. You saw him in the press box when they score. And then, he, I don't know, he sprinted down to the bench and, like, he's hugging all his players. And, and I like it because, you know, too often in hockey, it's like, oh, you haven't won anything yet. I'm like, what are you talking about? They won three rounds. It's hard to get to the Stanley Cup mm -hmm. final, man. Montreal hasn't been there since 93. And there's lots of other teams that have been there longer. Some like Columbus have never been there. So I love just the raw, authentic emotion from him last night. Well, it's such a hard market to do it in too, right? Like, I, like 360 days a year, someone is shitting on you somewhere, right? About some move that you've made. And it's like a cycle that just keeps going on and on and on. And um, it's a difficult market to work in. It's a difficult market to play in. And then to have this team that everyone doubted all year, all the things that they've gone through, the coaching change, you know, now the coaching COVID, you know, positive test and, um, you know, they just, they haven't stopped. They didn't quit. Um, I think there was a belief in that group that you can see and feel. And I, I love the raw excitement, as you said, from Bergevin, like too, you know, too often, like you said, you know, it's even when you win the Stanley cup, like I'm like, I'm thinking back to 2018 in Vegas, I rode the elevator down. It was a really small group from the press box with Brian McClellan from the caps and their whole management team they literally did not say a one, like one word, not one single word. They weren't smiling, laughing. Like it was almost like they were shocked. So I love this. Uh, you know, he, he reminds me and I tweeted it last night. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, he reminded me of Lou Brown in, uh, in, in major league when he's like yeah. in the hospital and he's jumping up and down celebrating. Cause he was listening to the game on the radio yeah. and he says, I knew you guys could do it. He's like, I believed in you all along. I love this shit. And he, then he like passes out and I was like, that, that is it. Like that's Mark Bergeron right now. He's so happy. Oh, well, if the Habs win the cup, I won't be surprised that Bergeron, who is a pretty good NHL player in his own right, uh, goes and gets some skates and then, and wheels it around for fun. Uh, Cause I, I tell you, there's, there's no rules in a celebration. And uh, I think if I was a player and fountains, yeah. Like, Hey, 
have a lot of fun with it. And obviously now that, you know, the next step's the hardest one and, you know, we'll see, they got the Islanders in Tampa Bay game seven. The hockey world's going to be watching tonight. Uh, it'll be great to see. So here, here's a question I have first, who do you think wins, but then B who do you think's a better matchup? If you're a Montreal Canadian fan, which team do you want? Ooh, I don't know how to answer the first one because I, it, so, so much of it depends to me on whether Kucherov's playing or not. And I know that sounds funny to say for a team that got here all throughout the regular season without Kucherov, clearly they know how to play without him, but that power play change, the look of that changed so much in game six, when he was out of the lineup, when he was in the locker room. And that's, that's a difficult guy to replace. Who's led the regular, the playoffs and points, excuse me. And I, I think the Islanders win if Kucherov doesn't play now, the other part of this is I do think in reading John Cooper's comments from Thursday that he's going to have this team in the right mental space. You know, his question to them behind closed doors was, are you satisfied with just one cup? And I think getting this close again on home ice makes you want to skate through a wall to go back and get another chance at it. Uh, having put in all that work again, but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Islanders won. I think there's something to be said for that team that's hard to kill. Um, you know, down two nothing in their own building, game six, chance to be eliminated again, and they come back. Now, to answer the second question, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are a better matchup for the Habs because it's a lot more similar to what they've seen in a team like Vegas with all that star power. They they proved pretty capably that they could shut that down, limiting um, the top six of Vegas to not a whole lot in that third round series. And I just think if they were to play the Islanders, that it's two teams with really similar styles that are clashing. And I think the Islanders are maybe a little bit better and a little bit more mistake-free and cleaner in how they play. Okay. See, I go the opposite. I, I think they match up better against the Islanders simply because you're right. It's similar. But uh, I'll take Carey Price uh, ahead of the, the Islanders goaltenders, and I think it might come down uh, to that. You got two big physical defense cores, and I probably give Montreal a slight advantage there. When it comes to Tampa, like Vegas outscored Montreal 13-11, five on five in the series. The difference was Vegas didn't score a power play goal, and Montreal was 27% on the power play. They scored a power play goal in two of their four wins, and another one of their wins, they didn't even get a power play chance. So you, I, I look at the the special teams play of Montreal and their PK, I'll say it's very good, but Tampa Bay's power play, like we're talking a 39% power play to a 9% power play. Mm -hmm. And I just think that could be the difference. I, I think it's tough to match up for anybody against Tampa Bay. And, you know, Vasilevsky, I think he's the one goalie that would negate price. I think they're pretty even. And you might even want to give Vasilevsky a slight advantage, although Carey Price is being unreal. It'd be very close. So I think they have a better chance against the New York Islanders than they do against Tampa Bay, but they got a fighting chance. You know, I bet on them and I'm not a better. Um, I sent Ty my, uh, my yeah, picture last night. I'm one for one in bets this year, which shows you how much I don't bet. But well, the as impressive as that is, by the way, is it a little bit of a weenie bet only putting 50 bucks down? Well, well for a guy who doesn't bet, we'll, <laughs> we'll get Ty, we'll get producer Ty in. That guy, like he gambles every day. So I'll be curious to know how much he's but putting. I think he, he, yeah, he would probably, and I can't answer for Tyler, but I'm sure he would say that that's a weenie bet. If you're going to, if you're well. going to dive in 
on a, a huge underdog. It's not my team, right? Like I doesn't matter. I think you should you should you should never bet your team because you're too emotionally involved. Yeah, we wow. we don't unit shame on this podcast, Frank. We don't do that. You okay. bet what you're comfortable with, Jason. All right, there you go. Hey, you know, I'll I'll be honest though. Was that the voice of God? Where'd that come from? Yeah, that was great. We'll get <laughs> producer Ty in a sec, but I will say this: I uh, I will be making a wager now on the final. I will keep a certain percentage, so I'm automatically up, so I have a profit. And uh, I might, I think I, I had a plan that I was going to bet 100. I just need to see what the odds are. Okay, I'm betting. If, if you want to get some longer odds, you could bet on the Con Smythe Trophy winner. Yeah, but see, that's too. Do you think I'm going to trust the writers? There's no chance. Um, that's yeah, that's unfair. <laughs> but um, so, but although Braden Point, the- hey, Braden Point would be the leader right now. I don't think it's I don't think it's close. Like Montreal, it would probably be Carey Price. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for but that's Canada- the thing you got to weigh which team's yeah. going to win the series because yeah. it's unlikely that it's been a while since we've had a losing player win the Con Smythe. But who do you think wins Game Seven? I'm going Tampa because I picked them all series. So, uh, I, you know what? I, I just, I, I think they have too much. Uh, and now the better question is, does Kucherov play? Because I watched that replay numerous times, Frank. And when I was a 10-year-old kid, I, I accidentally broke my father's ribs. We used to wrestle all the time. And his line was, it would get me irritated. He used to say, like, you know, we'd be kind of joking, punching. And he'd say, flea bites, flea bites, which obviously says he's not feeling it. And so I just kind of got a little annoyed. And I hit him. And I just hit him in the right spot. And he kind of like, he groaned and accidentally kind of threw me off the bed. And I remember it and he broke his ribs. So if a 10 year old can hit a guy in the right spot and I'm not super strong 10 year old, I looked at Mayfield and where he cross-checked Kucherov to me, I think there's a real good chance. He might have broken ribs. Huh? Well, there was that other replay too. another seemingly innocuous hit. Um, I, I, I wonder if it's hernia related, to be honest, the way his body jerked back and then on the cross-check, uh, forward. I, I don't know. I, I obviously we're just speculating ribs yeah. is certainly a possibility. Um, you know, I, you know, who knows really, but if it's ribs, I, I think you can kind of play through that. If you, you can, can freeze it maybe, right? but yeah. I could see Kucherov like Tampa Bay is dressed 11 forwards a lot this year, right now they did go seven defense, but I could see them dressing Kucherov, even if he only plays in the power play, because you're right, Frank, when he's on the power play, there's less chance of getting hit. Right. So if he's a little tender, now, I could see it. Remember last year in the, in the postseason, they played Stamkos and when he was banged up and he, what did he play? Two and a half minutes, right? Didn't play anymore. It yeah, didn't, but he did him. score, right? Yeah. So I could, I could see Kucherov playing tonight. So, and I could see that too. Now we've talked about it a lot, but the officiating again to miss that cross check, like what, what are we doing? Like yeah. standing right there looking at it. Uh, and, and, and I've said this many times now to me, it's up to the NHLPA. Right. Like you can have agents go online and Twitter and, you know, that gets people, oh, look, they're mad. Whatever. That means nothing to me at the end of the day. If you want significant change, then the PA has to have a meeting with the NHL in a professional manner, not just yelling on social media behind closed doors to say, okay, enough's enough. What do we want? We, we believe this is unacceptable. We want to keep battles in the game, but that's not a battle. Kucherov didn't even have the puck. Right. You're cross-checking a guy. For, and I, I don't, I'm not mad at Mayfield because it's been what? in the game forever. And so they yeah. let it go. Keep doing it. Like, I yeah, mean, so, why wouldn't and, you? and the thing is you can, you can, as a, as a player, who's, who's a physical player, you can take the risk right now because you got an 80 to 90% chance of the infraction, not being called. 
That's just how it is right now. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the, the one on Kucherov, what about the one on Stamkos where he hammers him from behind? He eats the bumper on the boards. There's no call there. And so to me, and I'm not picking on Mayfield because he scored an unreal goal, by the way, sweet hands. I just look at it. The players right now, they know the standard isn't being enforced. So why wouldn't you? It's Try like, and get away with whatever you can. You hey, ain't cheating. Us, you ain't trying. All of us will speed continually until we get caught in the same spot over and over. And then you're like, well, geez, I guess I better slow down. And it's no different with the NHL players, right? It's human nature. You're going to try to push the line. It's an emotional game. And I don't want every ticky tack call called just call the obvious ones to start. So it's not going to change in the playoffs. Um, They're not going to have a big uh, meeting between now and game one of the Stanley. But the NHL doesn't seem to have any interest in addressing it in general. If you you know, behind the scenes, you talk to people, you read the public comments, Bill Daly had a, a response yesterday there doesn't seem to be any appetite for something to be different. And how many years of this do we need to go on and see the same thing before we stop and say, let's revisit this. Yeah. Well, that's why I believe Frank, it's got to come. Who is the ones that are most impacted by this? It's not you. It's not me. It's none of our viewers or listeners. It's the players. So if they don't say anything, I kind of, I'm past the point of getting upset about it because how many players though are, more in Mayfield's camp than they are. Like that's the only interesting thing to me is like, obviously the stars are tired of getting pushed around and abused without calls, but how many more players are in the union that would appreciate the Mayfield side of it? Not to say that that's what he supports, but being able to take those types of liberties in games. Well, you know, it's funny. It's a good question, Frank, but I talked to a lot of guys who coming out of the lockout in 2005 and they knew the rules right away. You, you, you put your stick parallel, it's an automatic hooking call, right? They made it abundantly clear and they enforced it and then they backed off idiotically, but they enforced it. You know what? I've talked to a lot of guys who said, once I learned it, actually, because even the so-called plumbers and the, Scott Mayfield, when he gets the puck, he, trust me, he doesn't want some guy hooking and holding him because his chances of scoring are even lower than the superstar. So I think yeah, most that's a really good point. would actually all be in favor of it because it, it's, it's equal to everyone. And, and, and I think sometimes we forget that even the, the lesser skilled NHL players are elite skill in the, in the, in the whole grand scheme of hockey, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, most of these guys were all top scorers or top players on their junior teams or college teams. They're like then, all the pitchers in major league baseball that were huge home run hitters in high school and college. Exactly. So I, th- I think most players, I think players are, are smart. They'll adjust. Just say, here's the rule book. And as long as you know, but right now they know that the rule book's not being enforced. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you cross check whenever you. you could? You Like I said, you ain't cheating. You ain't trying. Yeah. So, but it's going to come down to the players unless the players want change. It ain't changing. So here's a shout out to all the players. Don't complain about it. Don't get your agents to complain about it. Do something, mm. have some courage, have a professional meeting with the NHL. And it doesn't have to be LeBron James qu- crying on Twitter. No, it can be behind closed doors, just like the NHL likes it. Like you said, raise it in a professional manner, have a summit, get some referees in the room, get some past referees, get some current players, former players, whatever it is, management, coaches, you know, it's not hard to get 20 people or 25 interested parties in that room, especially now you don't even need to do it. You could be on zoom. You don't need to be in the same room to accomplish something like that. Cause I always say that, cause the argument is, oh, well, we don't want an endless uh, parade to the penalty box. I'm like, well, go back and look at the amount of penalties called in 2006. I don't, I, and you know what? I Googled it. It was insane. 
But you know what? I don't see tons of articles. It, like it was insane to a point, but it wasn't nearly as bad as we think. It's like when people say, I don't want a 2-1 game. Well, you want 7-6. No, 4-3. There's a, just find a realistic middle ground. But it won't even be that for a long time because no. to your point, players are either going to get the picture or their ass is going to be drilled to the bench. Yeah. That's it. And, and, the coach is not going to play you if you can't adjust because you're a liability. We saw it happen because even the worst skater in the NHL is still a really good skater and they'll figure it out. So players it's on you. I, to me, it's, it's on the players. I don't blame the like, Hey, Chris Lee, grab a clue. Like that's a cross track. I don't, I don't know what he's looking at. Like that's, to so me, that's like just his a third missed or fourth missed call yeah, blatant so. missed call in the third round. And if, and if he's officiating the Stanley cup final, then there's a problem with the league. Look, and this is not personal. And that's like, I wanted to make sure that we pointed that out, that this is not about Chris Lee, or it's not about any certain individual referee, because that's not the point. It's the overall grand 30,000 foot view of the game to see Kucherov now be missing potentially game seven, which could help cost his team a trip to the Stanley cup final for what it's not a hockey play. That's it was just cheap is what it was. Although, you know what? If you're Scott Mayfield, you'd gladly sit for two minutes if Kucherov's out for the whole game. Well, that's... Uh, <laughs> okay, but that's the whole problem, isn't it? Yeah, yeah no, it's true. But, you know, it, he might think twice about taking a penalty against the league's best power play if he knows it's going to get called. That's mm-hmm. totally valid. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's bring in uh, the voice of God today, uh, producer Ty, to uh, I like join the nickname. us buy or sell. Yeah, I like that nickname. Uh, buy or sell as always is brought to you by uh, Jock Market. Stay in the game with jockmkt.com. Get involved in the Stanley Cup Finals. See if you can buy low on a couple of depth players before they uh, make their case for the con Smythe. Not that I don't think, we, or I think we can already kind of identify who's going to win it on each of these teams as we head into the final. And uh, that's actually what I'm going to start with. I'm going to hit you with a hot take for number one. Carey Price is going to win the con Smythe no matter what, Frank sell um we don't know how this series is going to unfold if the habs get swept there's zero chance that happens just as an example okay that's a good question actually um he's been really good like who's the front runner on the islanders that's the thing i think it's Braden point in tampa bay but i'm not sure there's an obvious choice for new york so that that if new yeah, york that might wins, be right and that creases prices odds so but i still think tampa's winning the cup so i'm gonna sell and say Braden point uh, Frank, you brought up, you know, maybe it's a sweep. Maybe it's a quick series. I don't think so. I think the Stanley Cup final, no matter who's matching up against Montreal, it's going to go at least six games. Jason? Oof. Like, I thought I thought these two series would go like six. I didn't think the Islanders would get seven, so give them credit. But you know what? I'm actually going to uh, sell. I think I think there's, it's going to be a five-game series. Wow. I'm going to buy. Um, almost every year... And I'm trying to think how many I've been to at least 10 cup finals. You can almost pencil it in every time for six. Uh, There's very few, you know, there's been very few exceptions. Uh, The last one I can think of is the caps beating the golden Knights in five. And even that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, I think in this case, these teams will be, you know, Montreal is feeling something, you know, I think, you know, the Islanders definitely are. Um, I don't know. I just think it, it goes at least six and, yeah. I mean, look how tight it's been 26 overtime games so far, one off the record for a playoff year, which is 27. I I'd imagine we break that record. Go uh, moving along here. We got news this week that Dave Hackstall was fired in Seattle. Surprising to me that it wasn't Rick Tockett hired in Seattle. I will say that Rick Tockett's next gig will be the first team who fires their coach next season. I'm going to say he waits it out. 
start of next season. Some contender will fall out of it early, fire their coach, talk it'll be the next man up. Frankie buying or selling? I'm buying. A little bit surprised still that Rick Tockett wasn't the guy in Seattle. I just think he checks the boxes. Um, And not to say Dave Haxtell won't do a good job. I mean, Tockett went down to the wire there in Seattle, spending a couple days there uh, last week, extensive interviews. And yeah, it leaves Buffalo and it leaves Arizona. We know he's not going back to Arizona. So that's one job in Buffalo that he interviewed for and they're to my knowledge, hasn't been a lot of contact since, so I think he's out. And I think, you know, he's going to be a pretty quick get next year for someone. I'm going to sell because I think that uh, Rick Tockett is going to stay in the game and end up as an assistant coach on someone's staff this year. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it, too. I was wondering if he would take a gig that's as a, an assistant an interesting, coach. Yeah. Yeah. It's a risk, too, to kind of wait into next season and see what jobs open up. Uh, Talkett's former team, the Arizona Coyotes, have a couple of players who are on your trade list. Frank, Connor Garland, and Oliver ekman Larson. I'm going to say they both are not back in the desert next season. Start with you, Jason. Yeah, Oliver ekman Larson, his contract and his play, he's a tough guy to trade. Now, maybe he's just like, I've, here's my concern on Oliver ekman Larson. The fact that he wanted to re-sign in a team that had never been competitive. So I kind of felt like he chose comfort and and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but now he's now it's all of a sudden like, well, maybe it's not working here. Um, Maybe you can get him and maybe he'll be reborn going somewhere else. But um, he was very picky on where he only had a short trade list a year ago. So, and that's his right. But I don't think he'll get traded. I think Connor Garland, if, if they want to trade him, there'll be teams lining up to take that guy. I am going to sell as well. I, I, I do think it's difficult to trade Ekman Larson. Um, they're under, a, a, from my understanding, a pretty strict budget constraint for next season internally. So they're going to need to shave salary. Now, does that mean you're willing to eat some of Ekman Larson's contract for a while, um, you know, to, to get him off the books? You know, if Ekman Larson is at, five and a half million or six million bucks. Like if you're, I don't know, the Oilers, are you interested? I don't know. I mean, those are, I I just think you might bring some other teams into the mix. I'm more concerned about the term six years left is a long time for a guy that's shown some decline, but Connor Garland is out the door. You read the quotes in the daily face-off story, you know, from his agent. It's he's not coming back there. Last one here. Let's go to sort of three of the big name forwards that'll be on the free agent market. Gabriel Landeskog, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Taylor Hall. I'm going to say with the flat caps and free agents getting squeezed, all three of those guys are going to end up back with their current clubs. No one is going anywhere new. Frank, you're buying or selling? Read me the names again. Taylor Hall, who else? Nugent Landeskog. I'm going to sell. I'm... I don't know. I just, I think Nuge is an absolute coin flip at this point. Mm. Um, I think Taylor Hall really wants to resign in Boston. I think they're going to try and grind him on term and dollars. I think there's a good chance he goes there and st- I mean, stays there, I should say. Uh, I do think Landis Cog stays as a no doubter. Um, you know, Colorado, I think has just waited to this point, you know, for expansion draft purposes, but Nuge is the one guy that I have a huge question mark about whether he's coming back or not. Yeah, I'm with you. The other two are obvious ones. And so I know the orders, Ken Holland, they've made multiple offers to Nugent Hopkins right now. 
and uh, you know their camp is Rick Vallette and them have countered. So it's you know nothing new per se on that. He's the one. Like there's lots of left winger options out there, and and I think Edmonton kind of has like a, a number in the sand. Like they're willing to go longer term, but that means a lower AAV. So you get more guaranteed money overall on a longer deal, but the AAV is lower. So I don't. I'm not sure. Like I, I can't get a read on Nugent Hopkins. I he'd like to go long term. That's what I know. He'd like to commit long term. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna okay. say that uh, they all stick around when all said and done. There'll be lots of negotiation, but uh, that all three end up back with the teams they finish this season with. And and I think that's a pretty good bet, by the way. And I just wanted to add one thing on Nugent. Is the wild card here is his own personality and his makeup. Obviously, he wants to stay. I think that's pretty clear. If it comes down to two or three million bucks is the difference between what the Oilers are offering with that line in the sand offer and what he could get on the market. I think he stays. If it becomes a lot bigger than that, six, 10 million bucks difference between that and what he thinks he can get, then I think he walks. So I think ultimately he's willing to take a little bit of a hometown discount, but I think the question is how much. Fair enough. All right. That was buy or sell brought to you by jock market. Stay in the game, get involved in the Stanley cup finals. Maybe you want to get down on the Major League Baseball season. Maybe you want to get down on the end, end of the NBA playoffs as well. You can do it all. Get the promo code DFO50 for a $50 deposit bonus. Awesome. Well, well, Frank, we got a, a big guest. We got an award-winning guest joining us on the show today. Defenseman for the Carolina Hurricanes, Jacob Slavin. Yeah, Jason, our next guest is the newly minted 2021 Lady Bing Trophy winner. He's the backbone of the Carolina defense. He's a Colorado native, a guy who's, you know, and, and that backbone of the Carolina defense, by the way, that came from Trip Tracy. It says a lot on a team with Dougie Hamilton, who would get some Norris Trophy votes this season. The DFO Rundown is pleased to welcome Jacob Slavin to the show. Jacob, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Uh, just hanging out. Just got done putting uh, my daughter down for nap. So, uh, no, doing doing well. Thanks for having me. Nice. The best time of the day. Get a little break. Um, hey, congratulations on the Lady Bing. Just wanted to take you back to what it was like to get the news that you wanted and and also what it means to you. Um, the news was uh, I was sitting there with my uh, GM doing our exit interviews, and he was just like, we had we had talked for maybe five minutes at this point. He was just like, oh, hey, by the way, you won. I was like, oh, sweet. Um, and so I guess at that point on, just trying to keep it on the down low, told uh, mom and dad and my wife. Uh, but that was about it. And then um, what it means to, I mean, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's definitely an honor. Um, uh, as I've said in a couple of previous interviews, uh, to me, this award's pretty special just because, um, I feel like it's a, it's a character award and just, uh, kind of how you treat people. And so uh, being a Christian hockey player, it's, it's special just because it's, uh, uh, I know it's not me that won that award. It's, it's Christ living through me. So for myself, it, like, it's, it's extremely special. Like I said, just because to be able to share the love of Christ through the way I play hockey, um, on and off the ice, um, is something that, uh, that that's my goal in hockey. And so, uh, I'm thankful for the award and uh, truly humbled to be receiving it. Well, we, it definitely is a character award and, and we'll get into some of, you know, as you mentioned, uh, some of the off ice character stuff that you're into and you just hit on some of it, but when it comes to the on ice part, uh, we've been saying, you know, we were just talking offline about how difficult it can be in this league to defend and not take penalties. How much of that is a mindset for you. I mean, you end up this year with one minor penalty and it was for puck over glass. 
Uh, is that something that you're, you're thinking about, you're conscious of when you're playing, or is it just something that happens pretty naturally? I think just something that happens pretty naturally, honestly. I mean, even through um, minor hockey up into juniors and into college, uh, I was always, I never, I never took too many penalties. In fact, growing up when I was much younger, probably like squirt peewee age, every time I got a penalty, I think I cried because I hated being in the box so much. Uh, but then actually my first game of juniors, USHL, I was 16 years old. I took two penalties and um, that, that wasn't fun. And when I was in, when I was in the box and this might not have anything to do with uh, why I don't take penalties today or why I don't like taking them today, but uh, just a good story. I was in the box and we, I think we were in um, Des Moines, Iowa, and I had no name on the back of my Jersey cause I was just a call up. And there was this old, like 80 year old grandma that felt like just screaming at me while I was in the box. Hey, no name. You like, you're terrible. Like, what are you doing out there? and everything. So I think I don't like going to the box for that reason. Cause it gives the fans a chance to chirp you. Um, but no, uh, while I'm on the ice, um, it's, uh, I mean, I, I think it's just part of my game. I like to, I'm not, a, I'm not that physical of a player. I like to use my stick a lot, um, in all situations and, and just being able to skate well helps, uh, helps me, uh, just be able to use my stick a lot. And so whether that's having good gaps, good body positioning, good angles, whatever it is, just trying to make sure my feet are always moving, um, and trying to take away time and space, obviously as a defenseman, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, but being able to do it in a way to where, um, I'm more so playing the puck, I guess you could say than the man. Uh, but so try not to get too physical. I don't know. It's kind of weird for a defenseman to say, but that's just, that's how I've always done it. So. Jacob, I saw your reaction when Frank mentioned uh, the puck over glass. It's kind of like the the perfect season for a defenseman. Um, right. even, I think a few years ago, you only had five penalties and two or three of them were puck over the glass. That seems to be your one weakness maybe as a, I know. And all, and all joking aside, though, when you look back at that, like, do you laugh, but then are kind of frustrated because you could have had the perfect season outside of one uh, puck over glass penalty? Uh, I, I laugh at it. I mean, I, I even remember getting lining up for that faceoff. It was against Florida, um, and we were going out the weak side, and I went – I got the puck and I went to like try to fire it off the glass, but not necessarily as high as I did. Um, and the puck just kind of flipped up on edge and just got the, I just got it perfectly to where it just went sailing over the glass. I was just like, ah, oh, darn it. No, I think that the most, the thing I hate most is obviously putting my team on the penalty kill, but no, I got a, I got a text message from somebody the other day saying, Oh, like good thing you got a penalty because there's always room for improvement now. And so I guess, I guess there's still, still room for improvement and uh, making sure I can try to get take no penalties, but uh, we'll see when that day comes. Well, in 20 years of doing interviews, I'm not sure I've ever had, talked to a guy who knows exactly the time of the penalty that he took during the season. Cause most are taking 15, 20, 30, right. 25. They, they don't, they'll, they'll tell you where their goals were, but not necessarily their uh, penalties. Now you mentioned that you're not physical, but you know, you don't have to be a, a, a like a big banger, but lots of guys will take mm -hmm. an inadvertent trip. Right. Or sometimes it's like, geez, the guy's on a breakaway. I'm going to have to hook him down or you're, you're able to not do that. And it's not just this year. Historically, you've never taken penalties. Is that just positioning? What allows you to never, or rarely, I should say, be in a position where you have to cheat? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think positioning is a huge part of it. Obviously there is breakdowns and, and there, there, there are multiple times this year where I was back checking when someone had a, a, a breakaway. And so um, just in that, still 
trying to play within the rules, I guess you could say. We, I mean, we have a goalie back there for a reason, and I trust the goalie. And so um, just doing everything in my power to not let them get a shot, but still um, making sure I'm not just hooking at his arms or whatever. I'll just try to skate as hard as I can back and maybe lift his, lift his uh, stick at the last second, um, whatever it is, or poke it away at the last second. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think most of it has to do with positioning and, and like I said before, angle, angle is huge for me and making sure I'm taking good angles on guys and being able to set up my, myself for whether that's just angling them into the corner, being able to puck, poke the puck away at the last second. So do you think maybe if, if guys like Tom Wilson have a reputation amongst the officials to maybe not get the benefit of the doubt, does Jacob Slavin now have the benefit of the doubt in the eyes of the officials? Do you feel it just because you've historically been so good that you might get away with the odd infraction? Yeah. I mean, I hope so. There, there was, there was one time this year, actually we were playing Chicago um, and Kane ended up scoring on the play, but we, he was, we were, we were one-on-one down the ice and I had kind of tried to put my, my hand on his chest and I was going to try to like push him off the puck. And then the ref ended up calling a penalty, but the puck went in the net. So I ended up coming out of the box. Um, but he came, come up, came up to me um, later in the game at some point. I was just like, oh, yeah, I saw that replay. That wasn't a penalty. And so uh, there's been a couple of times where ref have, refs have come up to me and just be like, yeah, that wasn't a penalty or uh, yeah, no, no, that wasn't even close or so whatever it is. And so, um, I mean, I hope that's a reputation that's coming, but um, the refs got to do their job at the same time. So, um, it, it is what it is with that. Jacob, you mentioned your faith when we first started off and I, uh, had a chance to talk with you about it a couple of years ago during the playoffs, actually. Um, and I also talked to Glenn Wesley, who I know means a lot to you as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you've been so open about it. And I think, you know, my sense is that the game has probably changed a little bit over the last number of years. You've had a chance to, to be around a little bit now, um, with being so open, I think maybe at first and, one of the things we talked about was that you maybe kind of got, you know, people looking at you a little bit differently. Do you sense now that the game is a little bit more open in terms of having conversations about that and being open about stuff like that? Um, maybe a little bit. Um, like you said, it's the most important thing to me. And so um, I'm not going to try to, I'm not going to change who I am or, or what I believe in or, or back down for sharing about it. I think, um, I mean, even just within our own locker room, guys know what I stand for now um i've been there for a while and so guys whether it's guys coming in or guys that have been there for a bit as well they, they know what i'm about um and they, they respect me for who i am they respect me for what i believe in and so i'm thankful for that i mean there's the odd time that we're they're joking with me about it but it's all in fun and uh but no i think uh league-wide i mean every every team for the most part has has a chaplain and so there's there's a there's a group of, of Christians around the league and, and I've got to, I, I was thankful to be able to play with some the past couple of years and James Rammer and Jordan Stahl um, and just be able to have, have them on the team, whether that's just for encouragement or for um, just for having good conversations with each other. Um, but at the same time, there's other guys around the league that I also know are Christians. And so uh, maybe it's in the middle of a scrum. Um, but if I'm out there on the ice with them, I'll try to make a point to just be like, Hey man, uh, keep glorifying God or, or keep strong in what you believe in, whatever it is. And just let them know that even 
in the game, I might not be on their side, but, uh, in the game of life, uh, we're on the same team. So, um, it's, it's pretty cool to see, uh, just the, the camaraderie amongst the, the Christians in the league. Mm-hmm. Now, have you noticed, or have you had any teammates that have asked you or been curious about maybe finding out more about, uh, your faith and religion? Because it's one of those things, you know, hockey in specific, just there's less of that that goes on, I think, than other, you know, than you look at the NFL or you look at Major mm-hmm. League Baseball or some of the other sports, the NBA. It, it just isn't as widely talked about outside of the rink, I feel like, than other mm-hmm. sports. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, no, I've had I've had a, a great number of conversations, um, or that's over a meal on the road or um, at the rink, whatever it is. I've, I've had a, a good amount of conversations and it's always encouraging um, to have those conversations, but, um, from like a league perspective, I mean, we have, we have so many Europeans in our league. Uh, and I, I don't know if religion is as prominent over in some of the European cities as it is, um, say in the States or in Canada. Uh, and so that, that's what I've, that, that's what I found out, uh, at least just through the conversations that I've had, um, with guys on the team or guys in the league or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely, like I said, it's encouraging when I, those conversations do happen, but, um, I'm not trying to force anyone into it. Right. It's, it's got to come from the heart. And so I'm um, just trying to try, like I said before, trying to share the love of Jesus um, through how I play the game and how I conduct myself off the ice and, and just love on guys really well um, with where they're at at any given time. I get a sense, obviously, you know, you're very much a positive person, Jacob. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, you and your wife, uh, made a decision that you're going to adopt a, a young, uh, a young daughter, Emerson. And, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. she's napping right now. Uh, t- take us kind of through that process. A good friend of mine on my show, uh, Jason Strudwick, former NHL, uh, he and his wife, uh, they have three kids now, but, but the first one uh, they adopted, who is, who is a black boy and, and like you and your wife, uh, they're white. And their reasoning was, I remember asking them, they felt they never wanted to have people come up to them when their daughter or son was, you know, four or five. Oh, he looks like you, but it's, when it's not any, you know, genetic makeup, that was their reasoning. What was, what was the reasoning uh, for you and Kylie to decide to, uh, to adopt a, a black daughter? Um, well, first, uh, just with the adoption process as a whole, um, my wife has always wanted to adopt. Um, and that was something that we had talked about in our dating relationship that she wanted to do. And, and so once we got married, I thought we were having a biological kid first. And then she was like, no, I want to adopt first. And so, uh, God really worked on my heart and opened it a lot more to, uh, to get to the point where, um, uh, we, we decided to adopt first, but we didn't, we, we weren't seeking out, um, necessarily an African American baby. Uh, we, we told the agency that we were going through that we were open to whatever. We just, we felt God telling us, Hey, I want you guys to adopt. And we were, I mean, our, our preferences is what they like, as you're going through the adoption process, um, you like, you go through your whole preference list. Um, and the only preference we marked on there was, uh, zero to 12 months. So we just, we wanted a, a newborn or anything under 12 months. Um, but outside of that, we were open to, um, any race. We were open to any, um, medical disability or whatever it was. Um, we, we just felt God's calling on our life to, to go through that process. And so it's not like we were, we were seeking out a black baby. We were just, we were just open and, um, that that's what God brought into our lives. And so, uh, that's, it's been an awesome experience. Um, I know that it's, we, we knew obviously with uh, all the social injustices going around, um, 
and how prevalent that is in our world right now. We knew racism existed before going into the adoption process, but um, it's it's opened our eyes even more just to the depths of it and to a lot of the ins and outs of it. Um, we were having a conversation the other day with somebody and just talking about how if you didn't have a child with Down syndrome and we had adopted a child with Down syndrome, we know Down syndrome is real, but we just don't. We wouldn't have known all the ins and outs of it until a child with Down syndrome came into our life. Mm-hmm. And so same thing with Emerson. We didn't, we knew racism existed. We just didn't know the depths of it, all the realities of it. Um, and so it's, it's really opened our eyes in that way. And, and we want to make sure we're well-educated, um, that we're giving Emerson the best opportunity to succeed in her life. And, and our ultimate goal as her parents is just to make sure she comes to know the Lord, um, as her savior. And, and if we, if we do that, then everything else is going to fall into place. So far, what has, what has been the biggest eye opener? I love asking this question because we can all prepare what we think parenthood's going to be like, mm-hmm. or, you know, fatherhood at the early stage. What, what's been the biggest surprise for Jake and Slavin as a father? Oh man. Um, we, uh, Emerson is awesome. Like she is. And it, obviously it's not genetic because where she was adopted and so but she is so smart she is so athletic she is like just really uh, when i say wise she is just a, a wise little girl and so even just her her talking abilities um but the biggest surprise with her uh surprise i'm not trying to say this and <laughs> she she's very easy and we're getting to the stage now. She just turned two in April. We're getting to the we're getting to the stage now where those tantrums are real. And to her, they're huge. Like her oh, emotions, yeah. like yeah. they they are real emotions for her. But just even just wanting to to read the book herself versus me reading the book to her, like she she will flip out. And or whether she wants the Grinch or baby bums on TV, like she lets you know and the real emotions for her, but they're just, there's so much emotions and such a little person. And so, uh, it's, it's fun though. Uh, it's super fun. And she, she's hilarious. That's awesome. Yeah. We're still, uh, my son is seven. Jason's son is seven. I have a daughter that's five. So that fierce independence is such a a nice quality (laughs) to have. Um, Jacob, you come from an athletic family. Uh, you're one of four, I believe. I know your brother, one of five, one of five. Okay. And your brother Josiah is also in the Chicago Blackhawks organization, got his feet wet this year in Rockford turning pro. Do you guys train together in the summer? What's that going to be like having, uh, you help push him towards the NHL? Yeah. Um, well, I wish we were training together in the summer, but that means he'd have to move out here to Raleigh because uh, my wife and I, we've actually set our roots down in Raleigh and we stay here year round just because uh, her family's from Illinois and mine is from Colorado. So it's just, it's easier to just call Raleigh home and, and go from there. But um, yeah, no, one of five, both my older siblings played hockey. Uh, my sister actually played at the University of North Dakota um, for four years. And then my youngest brother is... Uh, He's 16 and hopefully he'll be uh, with Muskegon of the USHL next year. Um, but Josiah, yeah, uh, I wish he would train out here. That'd be fun. He's the, uh, he's, a uh, he's pretty much my same build, just a little skinnier. He hasn't put on the weight yet. Uh, but no, we, we definitely push each other. Um, even 
even though he's in Colorado and I'm here, he's always texting me his golf scores and saying, come on, bro, I'm going to beat you this summer or whatever it is. Um, and so even just taking that into the weight room would be nice and, and onto the ice, being able to help each other get better. Uh, so hopefully he'll be able to make a trip out here at some point. Um, but I'm super excited for him and his, uh, opportunity that he has with Chicago next year. And, um, I know they were happy with him and his game that he, the games that he did play in Rockford. And so hopefully he has a, a good training camp and we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I'm, I, I love watching him play. Uh, I tried to tune into every game that I could, uh, when he was in Rockford or whether I was in college this year at CC, uh, I try to tune in when I can. If there's one thing that you could impart on him, having you know gotten to the NHL and, and obtained a level of success, and at this point, somewhat comfort in in your role, what what would it be like? What would you want to pass on to him? Um, he he's the same way I am. Our heart, I mean, we both grew up in a Christian family. My whole family's uh, family is believers, and so I I mean I, I'd want to I I'd hope that he would keep that, that same faith, um, through the success, through the, through the down times, um, just always keeping, keeping God, uh, on the throne of, of his life. And, and, and so far he's, he's been doing that. Um, every, after every home game, he'll go out to center ice and he'll pray and, and make sure that, uh, all the glory was given to God and that, um, he's thankful for staying safe or whatever it is. But I mean, so he's been bold up to this point in his career and I hope that he would continue to be bold on and off the ice, uh, regardless of, of his success or his failures, um, that come through hockey. Jacob would let's kind of get to, you know, your team and a great regular season, obviously anytime you don't win the Stanley cup, it's a disappointment for you. When you just kind of see how your team's evolving and growing, how frustrating was this season? Maybe, maybe more than others, because at, at least results wise, it looked like this might've been the best Carolina team you've had. And, uh, you know, Dougie mm -hmm. Hamilton, uh, I, I thought he was honest and he just said, Hey, they, you know, they have a $98 million salary cap, whether that's, they didn't break any rules, but that's their, their playoff, um, salary cap. How, how did you kind of digest that series loss to Tampa Bay? And now that you've had some time at the season's over, what, what did you love about this year? You know, what did you frustrated you and what do you think the future holds for the hurricanes? Yeah. Uh, I think first just the year of COVID in, in and of itself, the season was just a wacky one. Um, it was, it was nice there towards the end of the year when some protocols got lifted and, and we were able to go out to eat together again on the road and have to wear a mask anymore in the locker room, uh, whatever it was. Um, so just the year of COVID in and of itself was, uh, was just weird. I mean, I got COVID a week into the season and then coming back from that had its own challenges. And so, um, it was, I mean, it was a fun year. I think, uh, as a team, like you said, we had a super successful regular season. And so to fall up or to come up short in the playoffs was like you said, frustrating, um, that series against Tampa, um, uh, I personally thought it could have gone either way. I thought we played really well in game one and game two against them. And we could have taken either of those games at home. And if we had done that, it's a, it's a different series. Uh, and then going when games three and four in Tampa, I think again, obviously game three was a huge win, but then that game four was frustrating just because, uh, we have played so well, but we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with how many penalties we took. And, um, when you give that caliber of power play that many opportunities, they're, uh, they're going to score some goals. And so, um, I mean, are they over the cap? Yes. But did their goalie also play really, really solid for them against the games that we, we played them? Absolutely. I mean, they're, 
uh, in game five at home, the power play that they ended up scoring on 20 seconds earlier, we had a great two on one chance where he had unbelievable save. Uh, I mean, most, most night that puck's going in the back of the net. And so, um, had that gone in the back of the net, we're up one, nothing at home, you know? So I think that series, uh, even though, uh, the ended at four, one, I felt like we, we played, uh, better than a four, one result, but, uh, that's just hockey sometimes. And so, um, it, looking forward to our team and, and the possibilities that our team has, I mean, I, I'm super excited for it. We got such a good core there and so many great young forwards that are continuing to get better and better. Um, I mean, we saw Marty Natchez broke out, broke, break out this year and have an awesome year and he's only going to continue to get better. And, uh, we just said, obviously, Nedeljkovic had, had an unbelievable rookie year for a goaltender. So excited to see what he brings back next year. Um, and just as, I mean, obviously free agency is coming up and there's a lot of free agents this year. So we'll see, um, what exactly the team looks like next year, but, um, the core that we have is awesome. Um, coaching staff, obviously Roddy with his award, he deserves it. Um, he's such an awesome coach. And so, uh, just moving forward, it's just, we got a lot of promise and, uh, we'll just have to keep getting better every year. When you look at, at Rod Brindamore and what makes him such a coach that, that seems to get the most out of his players, what is it about him that you like that maybe stands out that's different from other coaches you've had? Um, he's just, he's so, he's so personal. I think that, uh, personable, um, he's, he cares. I mean, he, he respects the heck out of each guy in that locker room. Uh, he, he, but I think, I mean, he truly just cares about us on and off the ice. He, he wants, he wants the best for everybody. He wants the best out of everybody. Um, but that's how, that's how he approaches life. That's how he approached the game when he played it. Um, he was just, he's such a fierce competitor and loves to win so much, uh, that he, I mean, he strives for excellence. And so, um, but he doesn't do it at the cost of disrespecting anybody in the room. And so I think that's why guys love him so much is because um, he respects them and they respect him. And so they go out there and they know what's uh, what the, I guess the, what he wants out of each guy. Uh, they know that they, his expectations, there we go. That's what I was looking for. They know his expectations. Um, and so uh, they, he he's just he's awesome to play for and not that other coaches i've played for haven't been awesome but i think he just he sets the bar to a to a high standard of coaching of of care of compete um and so guys are just happy to play for him well said jacob let's play a little rapid fire you ready jay yeah, yeah i'm ready now uh before i get to rapid fire i do have one other quick one uh, you talk about angles jacob and as you've evolved now you're one of the elite i think uh premier and you can add offense but really defensive defensemen is there a like do your angles change when you defend against a guy like mcdavid who comes with blazing speed or guys like you know pasternak or who can slow the game down and stuff how how do the angles change when you play against the truly elite players um, <laughs> it's tough. I mean, McDavid's such a dynamic player. I love playing against him. It's such a challenge. Sorry, dog's coming down the stairs. Um, no but, uh, he, uh, he's such a dynamic player. He's so fast. And so you do, you do have to change like how you play that game. And I mean, you can't, if, if you're in, uh, if you're both starting at the blue line and you have a foot race, odds are you're not going to win that one. And so, um, 
just positioning wise, you have to set yourself up for, for good angles and for good opportunities to, uh, to be able to defend them. But then, like you said, guys like Pasternak who can slow the game down, get guys like Panera and guys like Kane. Um, it definitely brings a different aspect into it. And with, with those guys, I feel like you, you can't come off of them and you can't give them any time and space. Whereas guys like McDavid, you kind of need a little bit of space to, to try to match his speed almost um, just because he's playing at such a high pace. And so uh, it definitely, it definitely changes based on the player you play. Awesome. Okay. So we get to rapid fire. The only rule is you have to answer the questions. So like to have uh, fun with some of them. Now I, I know you don't, uh, I'm pretty sure you don't drink alcohol. So what is your non-alcohol drink of choice? Arnold Palmer. Ooh. Okay. Uh, who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, Dominic Asik. And uh, if Jacob Slavin is uh, in charge of dinner at home, what is your go-to meal to make? Grilled steak, sweet potatoes, and broccoli. Ooh, how do you like your steak? Uh, I grew up well done, but I'm I've worked down to medium. <laughs> That's a big change. Okay, yeah, gets a... <laughs> my my dad my dad brought me up on well done, and oh, he he still likes his steak well done. <laughs> um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither Star Wars. If I had to go with one, okay. Um, which surge celebration was your idea? Oh, um, there, I, I mean, you could say I played a hand in a lot of them. We had, we had a little, I know this isn't rapid fire, but we had a little pregame meal table at our home rink and we would just, we would all come together. There was like five of us and we'd all try to make a decision and figure out what we were doing that night uh, at the table that day. Is there one that you're most proud of? Um, the Thor one with Ginner during his, his Thor, that was pretty sweet. Um, the, actually one of my little, uh, billet sisters that I had in Chicago, she came up with one that we ended up using the one where Svechikov, we all lined up from the post and Svech came and he slid into the net. Um, I think that was actually her idea. Uh, so we brought that one into the locker room. Um, I, we, there's a lot of them. There, there's there's a lot <laughs> who who is the biggest debater when it comes to the surge because there's got to be somebody in the room who gets really passionate about an idea who who's the one that usually is involved in the in the heated debates of deciding what the surge will be we uh justin williams actually the year he was there the year it all started he was a big surge guy and so um like yeah he he came up with a lot of them and he was he he had a lot of ideas that he came up with and he would sometimes have it on a piece of paper and numbers lined out where guys go what guys are supposed to do and everything so we had we had a whole sketch of it you always seem very composed and controlled in the game but which player tests your limits to not get frustrated and lose your cool the most That's a tough one. I, I should let my wife answer that one. Um, <laughs> there's probably more some that get on her mind, <laughs> her case rather than mine. Uh, no, I, I mean, I try to stay out of all that stuff. Um, like, uh, I mean, obviously Marshan's known for being that type of player, but he doesn't even get under my skin uh, just because I don't, I think he knows to not try. I don't know. Um, I just, it doesn't happen too often. Uh, 
no, I can't. Just when guys are stupid, it's just, I don't like that. Okay. But, so uh, what about off the ice? Cause everybody has something that irritates them. So what, what tests Jacob Slavin's patience the most? Um, my wife. <laughs> um, no, uh, honestly, this is, it's a weird pet peeve of mine, but it is, um, we'll be sitting there in church or something. And my wife will just take her pen and start marking on my hands. And I don't know why I've always hated it. Like just having marks on my hands or my body or whatever. Um, and so whether at church, whether sitting at home, coloring with Emerson's markers, he'll just try to start marking on me. And I don't know why I just hate it. It's, it's a weird, weird pet peeve, but well, she keeps doing it, it because she knows that it drives you nuts. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And so oh. she'll look and, and she hates to be tickled. So she knows what's coming. Oh, I love it. She just, she's like a little bit of an agitator off the ice. That's fantastic. She's your Brad Marshan. <laughs> no, she'll, she'll admit that she'll say the same exact thing. She's like, if I was on the ice, I would totally be like a Brad Marshan. Like I would like, that's how she was growing up in basketball when she played in middle school. If there was a girl like cheap shotting somebody, like she would go and get payback on them. hundred percent. Not even, like it wouldn't, not even when they had the ball. Oh, I love it. And uh, mm -hmm. lastly, speaking of basketball, of course, uh, in Carolina, you guys are in the heart of basketball country. So which Canes player is the best on the basketball court? Ooh, that's, that's tough. Um, we had, we had some good players that got traded away. Um, but now I'd throw myself up in that mix if we were actually playing a real game, but um Outside of that, Trochek's a really good athlete. And so Troch would probably be up there. And then Brady Shea is a good athlete. Um, the, the American boys, uh, I'd probably have to say, take the cake on that one. Okay. And lastly, uh, you're coming into training camp in September. And you got to do the Wingate and the VO2 test. Will you beat Rod Brindamore? <laughs> uh, hopefully, but there's a good chance I would not. <laughs> that guy that guy still does our bike test to this day well that's why right here yeah, i was just curious oh, how the results are so i love it oh, yeah, rod, no. rod the bod living up to his moniker no i think rod still has the fastest time for a bike test that we used to do no one could beat it so um he, he's definitely rod the bod awesome uh jacob thanks so much for playing along we appreciate it yeah thanks for having me guys it's great being here thank you jacob thank you Jacob Slavin, interesting dude. Uh, and I, maybe my favorite part of that whole interview is that his wife is the Brad Marchant of the relationship. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, I just really like his point of view. He's an honest guy that's unafraid to speak about faith and what matters most to him. And I think that's so rare in today's NHL. You don't see a lot of guys speaking up about things that they're really passionate about. And um, heck of a player too, man. He's been unreal for Carolina. He's, he's really good. And you know what about Slavin is – if they don't re-sign Dougie Hamilton, Jacob Slavin's he's a he's not as good as Hamilton offensively, but I think he's underrated offensively. He has some numbers, room to grow, yeah, yeah, for sure. He's definitely got a guy who's got some offensive upside for sure. Well, Frank, uh, welcome to the DailyFaceoff.com family full time. We're pretty excited about that, and uh, thanks everyone for watching and uh, listening. Have yourselves a great weekend. We'll be talking the Stanley Cup, and uh, who are you taking in Game Seven, Frank? I got the Bolts. Bolts. Me too. Well, it'll be fun. We'll talk about it Monday. See you later. Sounds good. I'm game one Monday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.